0: Morning. morning. My name is Russell Atkins. I'm filling in today for Tim. I want to welcome any visitors we have here. Welcome those listening online. Welcome back to the members as well. Let's start with a word prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for yet another opportunity to come and delve into your word read from the examples of David and Jonathan about how our character should be formed. I ask that you continue Hold, shape, and transform our characters as those like your son. So when you come again, we can stand ready. Ask you continue to bless this class, both corporately and individually. Please be with Tim and Christy as they uh, are in Europe, uh, spreading the word, bringing them safely back to us in the weeks ahead. Jesus name. Amen. This morning we are looking at lesson number four in our quarterly background characters in the Old Testament. This lesson is entitled Jonathan, Born for Greatness. Um, I was struck by the title and kind of had to ask myself, couldn't that be said about all of us? Aren't we all born for greatness, or shouldn't we all be born for greatness? Any thoughts?
1: In the eyes of God, In
0: the eyes of God we should all be born for greatness. How is it that some don't uh, reach greatness? Their choice. their choice by, by their choice,
1: their choice. It on your definition
0: of greatness. oh okay how would we define greatness how should we define greatness by better question by allowing god to work his will in our lives uh, are there any other ones yes
2: I think mean, it's you know if we look at Christ's life and his selflessness and God is, I think that that's
0: what's great. Okay. What about um, being teachable? Do we consider a hallmark of greatness? Is that something the world considers great? Someone who is humble and teachable? It's kind of antithetical, isn't it? The first paragraph in Sabbath lesson says, By all accounts, Jonathan should have been spoiled, greedy, and a selfish young man who believed that as a child of privilege everything was owed to him. Should he really have been spoiled, greedy, and selfish? I mean, let's, half of his genetic component uh, is, is uh, trending that way. Because certainly his father uh, carried all those characteristics and, and others. What was it that allowed him to overcome this, this genetic predisposition to selfishness, greed, and uh inheritance being a spoiled brat. The only God can change that. God could change that. So, sorry?
1: He chose that way.
0: He chose
1: to be other than selfish. Okay. Mm-hmm. A determination for right.
0: He made a determination for right. How many of you have ever known, um, folks that have been born into privilege and have chosen one path as opposed to uh, another path and whatever path that might be? I was, I was raised with a family, a prominent family here, uh, with their three children. And these, these children lacked for nothing. They had no material wants whatsoever. And, you know, one could have argued that they should have been spoiled, um, greedy, and selfish. But not one of the three of them were. In fact, they they have some of the strongest work ethics. And um, only heaven knows how much money they've given away uh, to the church and to the school. Uh, just because that's the way their parents taught them. So, by all accounts, these three children should have been um, in the spoiled brat category, but they weren't. What is it that allows us to change? To transcend uh, some of the some of the genetic um, weaknesses and predispositions that we get from our parents? I think it's
2: only as we invite God into our lives and allow Him to work that we live in this transformation
0: process. Okay, so it has to be it has to be the work of the Holy Spirit, but um, we, we certainly have the capability to resist that, don't we?
3: We have to choose to surrender.
0: All right. Let's look at Sunday's lesson. called oh, the high office of friendship.
3: In, in the memory of the text, Jonathan says, Nothing can prevent the Lord from delivering, whether by many or by few. But I, I think that somewhere, some way along the line, Jonathan had been taught something about the Creator God and the power that exists in that, and, and he had a recognition of that fact of where the power comes from.
0: Oh yeah, I, absolutely. I, that's a great insight, and I think that's absolutely clear. And we're going to touch on uh, this memory text is really more related to I think Monday's lesson. Uh, so we're going to we're going to come back to that here in just a minute um regarding the high office of friendship how many of you are ever have, are have ever been exposed to the idea that jonathan and david were lovers I
1: have
0: i heard that i had briefly heard it um years past but in studying for this lesson uh, i came across um you know things online and and, and previous publications that um, I won't say committed, committed or that, that uh, presented compelling evidence for it, but there are some there are some issues out there that uh, I think we need to be aware of personally, I don't believe they were, but while we're discussing this, I want you guys to ponder, does it make a difference if they were? Would it make a difference in how you viewed their lives if they indeed were lovers? Think about it. Uh, let's look at some of the texts that are used in support of this. First uh, Samuel twenty thirty. Uh, in context here, the um, David is, uh, excuse me, Saul is, throwing a, uh, is having a feast for the new moon celebration. Uh, is generally accepted that David would attend. David was fearing for his life, so he uh, he was hiding. And he asked Jonathan to tell, his, tell Saul that, that uh, if Saul inquires about him, uh, to tell Saul that he is uh, with his family celebrating the new moon feast. And they're trying to get an idea of Saul's reaction. If Saul is indifferent about that, then David is going to consider things safe. If Saul is angry about that, then David will consider that uh, he shouldn't show his face around the, uh, around the palace anymore. So uh, Jonathan tells, tells Saul this, that um, that David has gone to, uh, to offer sacrifices with his family. In verse 30, that then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to them, Thou son of a perverse and rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thy own confusion and unto the confusion of thy mother's nakedness. Um, thoughts on this text?
3: Provocative.
0: Provocative. <laughs> In certain circles, yes. Um, the, the idea that Saul uses the word that gets translated into confusion, uh, some authors suggest that this is indicating that uh, Jonathan and David were confused about their sexuality. Have we ever heard this mm-hmm. used in modern-day uh, literature that he or she is confused about their sexuality? <laughs> okay, we hear it all the time.
1: My, my Bible says a little bit here in the New International Version, mm-hmm. uh, says that Saul is saying, You son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't I know that you sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother bore you?
0: Okay. Here again, the word shame is often associated with the uh, same-sex relationship, even today, even even in the you know the outing and, and the the um, popularization of the homosexual uh, agenda, as it were. The text, I mean, explains it better.
1: Okay, read it, please. The son of Jesse lives on this earth. Neither you nor
0: your kingdom will be established. Now,
1: seven degrees, he must die. Okay he's not, not talking about sexuality. he's talking about you are the rightful
0: king. And by siding with him, you won't be the king and you will never be the king as ever uh, I agree. And again, this is going to get into Thursday, um, Wednesday's lesson, I think, talking about um, you having to take second place. But, yeah, I I agree. There's suggestion for either. I'm, I'm merely trying to present uh, both sides of the argument here. I
3: don't uh, Discussion short in any way because I think it's important of course, to understand how to answer people that want to come up with stuff. Like that. Mm-hmm. But these are the same people that say that um, there are only seven words in the New Testament that were actually words of Jesus.
0: You know what I'm saying? Okay, I'm, I'm not familiar with that um, that particular uh... Jesus higher criticism type stuff.
3: You know, they they boil it down to you know a few. Words like
0: the that. They say all the rest of it is just made up. Okay. Let's look at First Samuel, verse uh, chapter twenty, verses forty-one through forty-two. Russell. Yes. I was
1: just going to say in thirty-two, verse thirty-two, Jonathan defends uh, him. He says, "Why should he be put to death? What has he done?" He doesn't. want uh, wants to defend him to his father It he feels like he's an innocent man. He's just
0: yeah, again. You know, the, the, there are those who argue that this is, you know, someone whose feelings are more than friendship talking. Yes?
1: You asked the question when you first started this particular part of the discussion. You said, does it matter? And in the context of today's discussion, uh, self-sacrificing love for a friend, uh, uh, balancing that self-sacrificing love for a friend, the honor and respect for his father, which, as I read through this this morning on the way up here, I was truly amazed how he walked through a minefield. Does any of that change?
0: Exactly. That's my rhetorical question. Um, are we going to say that? David, you know, being a man after God's own heart, uh, if, if he is a murderer and an adulterer, that's okay, because he's a man after God's own heart, but he can't be gay. He can't be homosexual. That just ruins everything. I mean, do, do, we, do we make that judgment? And a lot of perspective that Jonathan exhibited in walking through this relationship, or this, not this
1: relationship, but the situation between his father and David, I think
0: it's amazing. I couldn't agree more, and that was that was one of the that was one of the things I was struck with, and and that's that's getting on toward um, you know Tuesday's lesson regarding you know the the tightrope and, and the minefield, as you eloquently put it, that, that Jonathan had to walk through. First uh, Samuel twenty verses forty one and forty two. Someone read those, please. This is Jonathan going to inform David, in the context, Jonathan going to inform David about his father's uh, attitude toward him.
1: As soon as the light was gone, David arose from beside the heap of stones and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another until David got control of himself. And David told Jonathan, Go in peace, for as much as we have sworn to each other in the name of the Lord, say." The Lord shall be between me and you, and between my descendants and yours forever. And Jonathan arose and departed into the
0: city. Okay. There is a group that would argue because there was uh, subservience and a a kissing that this was not uh, this was not a friendly kiss, this was a passionate kiss of lovers. Any thoughts? Yes, Ron. This kissing
3: business (laughs) in this area of the world,
4: that's the world. They greet each other, a lot of You see people greeting each other a lot of times. With a
0: kiss. Not Correct. a kiss on the lips. Just a kiss. Mm-hmm.
3: That's just a customary thing for them over
0: there. In some parts of the world, it's customary to greet with a kiss on the lips. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first time I traveled internationally, I went to Indonesia for a surf trip. And... I arrived, adjusted to the time zone, went out to uh, the beach to watch the sunset, and I saw bunches of guys walking hand in hand and with their arm around each other. I thought, what in the world have I done? <laughs> Why am I here? And I went back to the room and, and thumbed furiously through my guide to Indonesia, and I found uh, in, you know, in the cultural context, that was perfectly acceptable, and, and in fact uh had been and have been uh, going on for centuries. So it's it's not uh, it's not the least bit unusual that um two friends would get to greet each other with a kiss even on the lips and it not be a kiss of lovers. The text that uh, is used most often however to to suggest that these two were more than friends is 2 Samuel chapter 1 verses 25 and 26 context of this is david, david getting the news that saul and his son jonathan have uh, fallen in battle and david forms a lament a song and part of that song is uh, how the mighty have fallen in the midst of battle jonathan is slain on your high places i am distressed for you my brother jonathan jonathan you've been very pleasant to me your love to me was more wonderful than the love of women Thoughts? Can I read my translation? Yes, please. Tell me tell me your translation first. Contemporary English version. Okay.
4: It says, Jonathan, I miss you most. I loved you like a brother. You were truly loyal to me. You were more faithful than a wife to her husband.
0: Okay. So more the last line says he's more faithful than a wife to her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, your love to me is more wonderful than the love of women any other translations that uh, our person
1: no, more it's, it's,
0: fireworks like uh, ok yes speak up.
1: if we really fall madly in love with God begin to trust him begin to believe in him begin to let him flow his true pure unconditional love that is a love that I would imagine the joy of the world I have no comprehension they trying to compare that love. And I think it scares people. I think that they don't know what to do with it. So they try to filter it down other things that they have some kind of comprehension filtered through. So so I think what we're looking at here, personally, what I see is these two men have had that love that was beyond the comprehension. And most people don't know how to read that.
0: I think that's an excellent point,
1: point. And, and and I think that if we fall madly in love, I've experienced times where God has brought a group of people in my to my life. i have fallen in love with them, mm-hmm. and I'm falling in love with the guys and the gals and everything else. And I think it's it's what He wants us to be as we become one. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think
1: perspective
0: on this that I
1: think as, as humans we have to put
0: it into a box that we can understand. Right. You know, and God's not that way. We can't put him in a box. Thank you. Well said. Yes, sir. We're so inundated you know, in
4: the media with sex and, you know, and men-loving men that we can take I mean, I've not been exposed to this sort of controversy with David because I, I
0: never even heard this, this theory about i never delved delved into it until this past week.
4: We're so we're so paranoid about,
0: you know, anything with like
4: man with like man that, you know, men are afraid to hang out with each other, you know, in a convertible because they're gonna be assuming that they're gonna get
0: out. Yes, that's correct. Or sitting three across in the front of a truck. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and then the guy on the far left ducks down, so it looks like you guys that's the old. That's the oldest trick in the book.
2: <laughs>
0: you're, you're right. Absolutely. Yes.
1: I think it's also in, in reading in my version, which is the amplified version. Since your love me was wonderful, passing the love of women. I think we have to look at the context. Jonathan is coming from. He didn't exactly have a stellar example of what the love between. I mean a woman looks like what family everlasting family mm-hmm. looks like. I mean to him, that didn't exactly represent the epitome of love. Right. And his relationship with David may have been closer to the epitome of love for him mm-hmm. than what he had seen from his father.
0: That's true. But this is David talking. In fact, one of Jonathan's sisters was in love with David but it doesn't say that David was in love with her. Yes, sir. Just
2: a brief comment on what you are sort of we're heading there. I think maybe David's experience with women was um, fraught with some trouble. I mean, I'm sure Michael was, a, was an attractive lady. He seemed to be interested in her. But she sort of disdained it. We see later on in Scripture where she really reviled, you know, reviles him for what he does in praising the Lord and says, you're too low, you're too humble, what are you doing prancing around when you're naked in front of all these people and especially the country girls, you're going to get them all excited and, you know, very disdainful uh, and Abigail was just a lady he happened to be who came running to have mercy so her husband Mabel wouldn't just kind of get, you know, shot through and so, I mean,
0: and then his issues <laughs> with Bathsheba. He
2: happened. I'm not, I'm not saying he didn't have good relationships with some of his wives, but obviously he had a very convoluted past with those that he did take as his wives.
0: Again, there are those that would argue that... It um, because... doesn't mean that maybe the
2: relationships were great, but as a comparison, Jonathan was a good, true friend who stayed close like a brother. Mm-hmm. And he's comparing it to that and saying, man, I haven't experienced that in my other relationships.
0: There are those that, that would argue that because David was confused about his sexuality, that he um, that's why he had such issues with women. Yes? One of the things we shouldn't overlook
3: here is that uh, men can go into battle together. We develop bonds <laughs> that are absolutely... Tight. I mean, they are absolutely tight,
0: and, and it different, much different than yeah. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. I mean, what what is it that, that would make a guy uh, throw himself on a grenade that rolls in the tent? Right. Except you know the the, un, the pure unadulterated self-sacrificing love for his uh, his comrades. That's a great point. And
1: essentially, that's what Titan did. Is he threw himself on a grenade when he chose David over himself and the king essentially ruined
0: his political future. And yet, he threw himself on another grenade when he decided to stand by his father's side in that final battle and end up getting himself killed. Instead of allying himself fully with David, he might have lived longer and happier. Yes?
2: I think your question that started this is would it make any difference if they were or they weren't? I mean, at some level, I think we, I find it interesting that in our society, we would want to work hard to
1: make sure that he wasn't. Right. And yet, he killed, had
0: a man killed, and how many wives, and how much adultery.
3: Somehow, those sins
2: are a little
0: better than being gay. Correct. And, that, that's the point I wanted yeah. to, absolutely. In the bigger scheme of things
2: doesn't make any difference, and do we care? There's a lot of things in the Bible that we have no clarification on. And in this particular case, I leave this in God's hands, um,
0: to judge or not judge.
2: And, right and it doesn't take away from the spirit
0: of what's happening. Here. Correct. Good. And that's that's exactly the point I wanted to make by bringing all this up. Does it matter to God? No, it doesn't. Anyone that tells you that there'll be no homosexuals in heaven is lying to you. Absolutely. That, you might as well say there'll be no sinners in heaven. <laughs> I mean, it, that's a symptom of the same disease we have. Okay? Heterosexual promiscuity is a symptom of a, a different symptom of the same disease. Being proud that you're not a homosexual and looking down on them <coughs> is a symptom of the same disease. Uh, let's see, we had yes. There's a lot of different thoughts.
1: I'm, my woman's Bible study has been studied
0: Tamar. Tamar, uh-huh. Without
1: getting into the details, there's a lot of questionable stuff that goes on in there. Right. But if you look at a lot of the Bible studies and you have really to look at it now. A lot of things that were acceptable in their culture were acceptable. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, if we were to start doing some of that, we would probably not be looked at too highly. But it was acceptable within their culture, you know. And so some of this stuff, again, it goes back to what it matter? There's a lot of things we wouldn't want to know about that time in the culture.
0: Oh, I agree.
1: That was accepted, you know. So again, does it matter? Probably not. I
0: don't think it. In the back. One more, and then we'll, uh, we'll move on. Lesson, more the lines
3: of,
4: um, how incredibly loyal um, Jonathan was
0: to both David, his very
4: good friend, who I think we should talk about really. I mean, a male to male relationship is much different than a female to male relationship, obviously. You don't have all the nuances of a female, you know, and I think anybody in here who's married would, would attest that. Sometimes I mean they can to see things from the same angle. And so if you've got a really good male friend, right you can sometimes discuss stuff you never ever discussed with your wife, you know. Um, but the loyalty is what, what this lesson really brought out to me was very loyal to everybody who's also very loyal well to his father, to the point where he, he died
0: at his father's side. Right. And that's what's incredible about this lesson in the person of Jonathan, really. Well said, I agree, and we're gonna we're gonna move on to that just now. I included in the notes, uh, here again, you know, this idea that they were more than friends is also touched upon by the idea that they formed a covenant between them. Uh, and the Hebrew definition of covenant has any number of different, um, has maybe seven, eight different uh, definitions, and I've included them in the notes. Um, I, I asked some rhetorical questions at the end of this. Can can a friendship can friendship be a stronger bond than uh, than a family relationship?
1: <laughs>
0: and sometimes it should be. Uh, you know, is blood actually thicker than water? Uh, and can we think of any other examples from history or scripture where um, friendship uh, was a stronger bond than a family relationship? Jesus himself,
1: when his mother and his brothers came to him. And they said, You know, if your mother and brothers are here and they want to speak to you. Jesus said, Look around. Whoever does the will of my father is my mother and my brother and my
0: sister. And
1: that bond is stronger than the bond of
0: blood relation. Excellent the example. Of the story,
1: Jesus at the cross said, John: Here's your mother.
0: Here's your mother. Woman, here's your son. Good. All right, let's move on to Monday's lesson. This is touching on the event where. Israel is concerned because the Philistines are amassing, um, apparently preparing for war. And Saul gathers his uh, meager troops. Again, historians indicate that perhaps only Jonathan and Saul actually had a sword. Can you imagine that? Going out to battle, you know, carrying a stick or sling. I mean, David did it, worked out for him, but... But the reality is, you know, going out armed with a leather strap and, and a bag of rocks against spears and, and uh, shields and iron swords—that would be a bit intimidating. Um, and Jonathan t- tells his armor bearer, "Hey, let's uh, let's go let's go engage the enemy." And the armor bearer says, "Well, okay, let's go." And they. What, do you think it was presumptuous of Jonathan to uh, engage the uh, Philistine garrison with only his armor bearer?
1: The lesson points out that he had
2: positive experiences before, so he's basing it to some degree on
3: evidence.
0: Okay. But it didn't seem to work
2: out that
3: well.
0: You know the thoughts? So he, he's, basing, he's basing, his, uh, basing his decision on evidence. Maybe he also felt like he had a mandate from God in a way.
2: The Israelites were supposed to clear the land and things like that. So, I mean, they were in a way aligning themselves with God's
0: will. Okay. The folks that flew the airplanes into Twin Towers and the Pentagon thought they had a mandate from God as well. Some differences, in my mind. And again, they thought they were doing God's work and they thought they were uh, going to. You know, destroy the the infidel. You know, lots of similarities here. So, just just having the idea in your head that you have a mandate from God to do some task um, doesn't always make it correct, does it? What about the sign that Jonathan asked for? Jonathan's telling his armor bearer. Verse 14, 8, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say to us, "Tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say thus, Come up unto us, then we will go up. For the Lord hath delivered them unto our hand, and this shall be a sign to us. So they basically step out in the open, thumb their nose at the Philistines, and if the Philistines say, Wait there, we're coming down. They're going to wait. The Philistines say, come on up here, you little punks, we're going to go. Why, why do you think they asked for that? Why do you think that was a sign? Why not the opposite? Why not if the Philistines said, wait there, they said, we're going to go up, and if the Philistines said, come up, then we're going to stay here. Why not the opposite? Any thoughts?
1: Usually when you're
4: looking for a sign, you're asking for the less likely alternative. Okay. And it was, it was pretty obvious. I mean, the Philistines, if they were smart in battle, they would maintain their position of height and you know, some protection. So really what they... But his sign was, was the expected reaction from the Philistines, in my mind. I mean, that, if, why would they leave their position of somewhat protected height? Down and expose themselves. So that—that's the part. If they really want to sign, up, you like getting it, where he said, right? The second time around,
0: yeah. At least He rethought it. He said, "Well, no, that could happen just naturally." Hmm. I didn't think about that too well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yes. Sir. To me, it seems that there's a bit of overconfidence.
2: Yeah. And uh, and sometimes that's your weakest point. Mm-hmm. You feel secure, safe. You're not on the offensive. You just kind of twiddling around the camp. Um,
0: sometimes You mean on the Philistines part, overconfidence? Okay, oh, I'm sure they were overconfident. They had all the they had all the implements so of war. I,
2: mean, I think in a way it was a brilliant um, sign in a way because it shows that if, if the Philistines had really if they had gotten the alternative sign and Philistines, wait, it would come down to you, which shows their game was up. The game was down.
1: Well, you look at how Goliath responded to the He laughed mm. at it, mocked at
0: and he says, oh, I'm going to waste my time and energy on that one. There. And oh, again, he pushed his helmet back, and that was back it. Back. And right. He said, he
1: <laughs> and they didn't respond that way, but it was almost the same setup. It was two guys against the whole Philistine army. Mm. So that was a total opposite reaction like, of what yeah. <laughs> <So> anybody was responding Yeah. Did anybody really understand that? Mm-hmm. Laid up. I didn't understand what happened when they got up there.
0: It just seemed like they got up there and started killing <laughs> This was not the entire Philistine army. Right. This was this was an outpost, uh, a scouting outpost. It, yeah.
1: in an anchor. it doesn't really clear exactly.
0: It doesn't, and and then you know Patriarchs and Province doesn't uh, doesn't clear it up much either. She said that, you know, they, they destroyed, you know, they, they killed 20-some people. Um, and then what happened is the, the, the other Israelites that, that were, you know, called to arms but had gotten scared and kind of disappeared into the caves and rocks and, and, and uh, the landscape, they heard the sounds of battle, and they, they came out to see, you know, see what was going on. And they saw this garrison being routed by two men, and they, they engaged, and pretty soon, I, I believe the whole whole the, the army was engaged.
1: Go on and read the next verse. It's 15.
0: You can read it. Oh,
1: it says, that panic struck the whole army, those in the camp in the field, and those in the outposts and raiding parties. And the ground shook. It was panic, said by God. So God mm-hmm. used the previous thing. It wasn't them. Right. i had a bigger picture there. Right. It's all going to use this. And gave panic throughout the whole
0: rest of the field. and when I think when Saul and his mm-hmm. army finally showed up, the Philistines were attacking and killing one another uh-huh. <laughs> revealing what it
1: was
0: revealing what about the philistines character mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> their character of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me first. I'm going to take my life that I might survive is fully revealed. How many times? How many times in uh, in Old Testament history do we see this? That you know the angel of the Lord appears, or the ground shakes, or the lightning flashes, or thunder rolls, and the terror uh, is struck with people, and they start killing. They start killing their own. What? Might might that type thing happen? at the very end of time might there be some okay, if you read the, I think it's the next to the last chapter in Great Controversy Ellen White indicates that that when the wicked are amassed and, and they finally the final final revelation you know, of their character and the ones around them she says that they will turn on each other and that they will turn on, on the first targets are going to be the ministers that led them astray
1: Well, you know, in this instance, it was likely an earthquake or something, and they were very, the Philistines had their own gods and so on, Mm -hmm. and when it looked like these people were making good headway and the ground shook, I'm sure they took it as a uh, sign, (laughs) you know. Their god is upset and he's coming. (laughs) Right.
3: No, I would think that the Philistines weren't strictly Greek, for instance, or Cyprus or wherever they were from originally. I would think that they
0: have a lot of different people, sort of mercenary type soldiers in their army. You know, that might not like each other. Entirely possible. You know, they're you know clans that are not big fans of one another. They're just exactly. being paid to paid to fight, and when the chips uh, chips are down, they turn on one another. That's you know, all those are, are very viable options. Let's move to Tuesday's lesson. The parent-child relationship, I'm going to read First uh, Samuel 19, verses 1 through 7, just because it's a long passage, and we can hear it better through my mic. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning, and stay in the secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe I will tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, because his works have been very good towards you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine, meaning Goliath, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all of Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. We're talking a little bit about um, Jonathan, you know, what, what does it mean to honor our parents, honor our father and our mother? Does it mean that we are to do what they ask because they ask, or what they tell us because they tell us? Does it mean we're not to provide a, a, a voice of constraint and reason when they ask or tell us to do things that um, are contrary to what God would have us do? What does it mean to honor your father and mother?
4: To have heart.
0: Okay. But we're just we're just children. How can we know what our, our parents' best interest is? There's
4: there's a there's definitely a, a time when you cease to be a child and become an individual on your own. Um okay. I I understand what you're
0: saying on on a elementary like ten year old level, but when you're thirty years old. Well from a parent's perspective, you're always their little baby. You're always their son, you're always their daughter. Um you know, my mom's 82. I'm still her I'm still her baby boy She's 45 so
1: Well honors your parents when you are the kind of person that is a positive statement about their parenthood of you. If you are the kind of person that honors the way your parents that you know brought you up and, and you know you, you reflect well on your parents by the way you live. That.
0: would uh, would any of us think it would have been dishonoring for Jonathan to have completely rejected Saul and to ally himself with David I wouldn't and yet he didn't I mean you know, this, this is uh, touching on what was mentioned earlier the, this political minefield as it were that uh, Jonathan had to tiptoe through yes The
4: relationship between a parent and a child, I mean, I love them often care, and you see the role reversal occur. Right. The parent becomes the child, and the child becomes the parent. Right. Um, But at the same time, that child, the good children that really have the best um, well being of their parents in mind, still have that level of respect, even though they're the decision maker now, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to the parent. I think in this case with Jonathan and and Saul, um, we don't know the dynamics well enough to know who would have been disloyal. I think
0: in that day and age, that would have been very much construed as very disloyal if he had abandoned his father in that battle. I guess I would because he was the apparent heir to the throne, or should have been heir to the throne, right. as far as bloodline is concerned. That's a, that's a, that's a great point. Yes?
1: There, there's a love between a parent and a child that, even if your parent did things that were not in your best interest and allow bad things to happen, you still love that parent. And you'll still continue to take care of that parent. Um, my mom since passed away, but, I mean, the things that they did wrong go away. And, and you just love them, and you just try to do the best you can for them while you can. And maybe that's what Jonathan was doing for Saul, is he still had this inborn love for him because he was his parent.
0: Right.
2: Well, I, yeah, I think just touching on the same thing that she has. Yeah, in many ways, he was an extremely adept, diplomatic person, but he had his love for his father, and I think that in interacting with all the situations, he tried to support his father for all the good that he did, I'm sure, or what he thought was the right course that he did, and he tried to, when it, when appropriate, to check um, where he seemed to be wandering off the path. and yet still be a friend of David in the process. And I, I think that he supported, you know, just like when we have friends or people that we know, they're maybe not doing something right. We still love them. We try to support them in the good choices and help them. But it doesn't mean that because they're making bad choices, we just drop them and say, hey, do that. You know, too tough on you.
0: You know, go, right. you know, you're on your own now. Although sometimes we do do that, unfortunately. I don't think God does. Right. Uh, have any of you ever been involved in a relationship that your parents didn't support? Whether it was a friend, whether it was a uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, what kind of stress did that produce in your in your uh, existence? It wasn't easy, was it? These are, these are all the things that I ended up having to ponder studying for this lesson, and it's, it's things that I had never really considered before. Yes. The, the other thing
4: that we have to remember is that it's did into which the indoor part is, so it makes you raise your eyebrows even more. I'm sure the gentleman was aware of that, maybe he
0: wasn't, but that would even make you raise your eyebrows more about why did he stick with his dad. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. Engaging in a practice that should have been, you know, a death sentence. Um, Wednesday's lesson is called Taking Second Place. Um, you guys ever consider the differences between Saul's offspring, namely Jonathan and David's offspring, some of his two sons? Here's Jonathan, who should have been the rightful blood heir to the to the throne, Saul being the first king of Egypt, the first king of Israel, um, who gladly, you know, understands that that the word of the Lord is say David is to be the next anointed king. He doesn't. He doesn't uh, use his friendship to try to get close to David to kill him, so he can take the throne. He doesn't try to influence uh, David one way or the other to back down from it. And yet, David's offspring, two of his sons, tried to take the throne by force. They tried to usurp the, to usurp David's throne. Well, some interesting uh, dynamics about. Um, you know, genetic influence and nature and nurture in there. You know, Jonathan being the, the son of, uh, of what could best be described as a nutcase, uh, you know, bipolar, whatever, however you want to put it. And uh, David being a man, you know, after God's own heart, and yet uh, David's sons didn't turn out so well. Interesting to think about.
1: Well, keep
0: in mind that sometimes when you read some of the stuff that David wrote, it could be argued that he had his struggles, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, clearly. <laughs> no, no no question about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he had some issues, too. So, what... Um, I know we're talking about Jonathan, but you know, touch, going further on that point, well, what exactly is it about David that made made him um, someone after God's own heart? Yeah. Every time he fell, he got back up. He mm-hmm. was really loyal. He admitted he was wrong. I, I see it. I am
4: wrong. You
1: are right. I'm not trying to make excuses for myself. I'm wrong. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. I I think it's because David was number one teachable number two that he saw his own need of a savior (laughs) alright kind of combining Thursday's and Friday's lesson Thursday's lesson says when life isn't fair there are are those that would teach that Jonathan was quote punished for the sins of his father by dying uh, at his side in battle any thoughts on that you know, we can reference you know, Exodus, the, you know, the second commandment, says, I will punish those the third and fourth generation for them to hate me. I think it's fairly clear that Saul had little love for the uh, instruction of God. I don't know whether he truly hated him, but it's an effective argument either way. Was Jonathan punished? He loved himself more, clearly. Any idea that Jonathan was punished for the sins of his father?
1: I think the selfishness of his father um, brought a situation that wouldn't have been there if he had lived a godly life. And his son Jonathan wouldn't have been put in a position where he would have been killed. So if he
0: died,
1: God, he would have been, been a different man and life would have been
0: different. Or if Jonathan followed David. He might have lived a longer life. But, that's, is that God punishing Jonathan for the sins of his father? Yes. Consequences. Okay. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I was going to say the same thing. I think, I think, you know, when we live in a world of sin, there's consequences to sin, both from our choices and the choices of others. and, God does not promise to always extract us from those, mm-hmm. and that does not mean he doesn't want to heal us and change us, but we still live in a world of sin, and I think it's really miraculous that we, that we continue to have life in a world of sin, because really, we shouldn't, um, just simply because sin destroys, mm-hmm. and so in this sense, Jonathan's no different than many of us, each of us faces a day we will die. Um, Certainly, he died in a a much more violent manner than some, Um, but there has been other Christians and martyrs who probably didn't deserve. You look at Paul, you look at Peter, did they deserve to be martyred for what they did, trying to do good? You look at Jesus. Jesus
0: himself, yes. Yeah,
2: so, yeah, totally unfair, Um, but that's a little sin.
1: And then politically, it was... Probably better that Jonathan died at that point because it could have easily divided the kingdom. Those who were in support, Jonathan should be king versus God's choice of David. Right. It also shows God's foreknowledge that Jonathan wouldn't be around to be king after Saul was killed. I think one of the most interesting aspects of this story to me though is Saul was
0: handpicked
1: through a long process of Jesse's sons by God. Yeah. You me David. Um, Based on his, as
0: I understand it, qualifications for the job at that time. But why? You mean David was picked? Saul. 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 Why? I guess I'm not following the... I know... The king of Israel was picked from Jesse's sons... Was was oh, Jesse was David's father. I
1: thought it was, oh, but Saul was handpicked.
0: Saul, Saul was handpicked. What? Well, let's let's back up just just a second. Let's back up a little bit. Why why they have a king in the first place? Because right. <laughs> the people demanded it. Did God pick him as
1: a punishment? For
0: them? <laughs> no, he gave him what they wanted. That's, that's what, in the back. He gave them what,
3: he wanted, what They wanted Saul understood. Yes. Really head and shoulders. all the individual. Saul was giant, handsome, probably about seven feet tall. But yeah. very handsome, mm-hmm. a very well-built, you know, type of individual. And that's what the people wanted. So God was giving the people what they
0: wanted when they when saw him. And, and he did so knowing full well what the result would be. Exactly. He, he knew that, in fact, he, he warned them through Samuel. He said, you know, that the king will, will take your best men. And put him in the army, he'll tax you into poverty, Um, and that's exactly what happened.
1: So you don't think there was a handsome, sane man in (laughs) Israel?
3: But none of them were, none of them were, again, the point out that Saul was head and
0: shoulders over everyone else. He was clearly, you know, just kingly, yeah, he's striking, just regal look, yeah.
3: He was clearly the first draft
0: pick. Right, right.
3: He was clearly the best it was just the, the, the people
1: yeah.
4: oh, I was going to say this is just an example of like how backwards culture makes us perceive what is good and bad. Right. This was a great thing to the people. They got their man, they got what they wanted, but God is allowing this
0: to happen to show them that they got it backwards. He's mm-hmm. exactly. teaching them a lesson by giving them what they want. Yeah, and how many times has he done that before? And I
4: think, you know, we can't forget that he started out and didn't even want the job and he was hiding and,
0: and, and the other thing
4: is he started out really good. He's like, all of us have the opportunity to make right choices and, and go down the right path or let whatever, our prosperity, whatever go to our heads and, and, and head down the wrong path and begin to think it's all about us. And that's really where he went wrong. He had every potential to be a great, great king and stay loyal
0: to God throughout. Okay, well, you made three people's points. I
3: want to bring up something about John in this context. I think that John probably understood that his father had been essentially brought to power by popularity, by the will of the people, okay? Mm-hmm. And, of course, he recognized that his father was, you know, this you know, idol of, of uh, humanity that, that people could really identify with as being bigger, better, you know, more beautiful, whatever, more handsome. And uh, yet he also recognized that David had this, this spiritual connection with God and that he had somehow a, he was part of the lineage of, of the, the faithfulness of Israel that his father was not, and the only thing I'd add further to that is that yeah, it's amazing to me that Jonathan stuck to his father as well as he did. Because I can tell you for that if my father had said to me what his father said to him about my mother, I would have had a real problem with that.
0: Or if he tried to aim, nail you to a wall with a javelin. I mean, you know what? It... Yeah. How many of us have ever had our parents try to kill us that we know of? All
2: right.
0: I remember waking up with pillows over my face. I don't know how they got there. I'm joking. I'm just terrible. All right. Let's wrap things up here uh, real quick. Uh, Friday's lesson um, in the book Education, Ellen White compares Jonathan with John the Baptist. Um, getting to the second paragraph. Jonathan, by birth, heir to the throne, yet knowing himself set aside by divine decree to his rival, the most tender and faithful of friends, shielding David's life from the peril of his own, steadfast at his father's side through the dark days of his declining power, and at his side, falling in the last, the name Jonathan is treasured in heaven, and it stands on earth as a witness to the existence and the power of unselfish love. John the Baptist, at his appearance in Messiah's Herald, stirred the nation from place to place. His steps were followed by vast throngs of people of every rank and station. But when the one came to whom he had borne witness, all was changed. Crowds followed jesus, and john's John's work seemed fast clothing, closing, excuse me, yet there was no wavering in his face, his faith he must increase, he said, but I must decrease. Have you see any similarities I mean is that a comparison. John the Baptist and Jonathan, David's friend. Well,
1: the name Jonathan means light bearer, And so you look at this Jonathan we're talking about, you look at Jonathan, that John, you look at John, the disciple, the, the ones who bear that name seem to be truly blackbearers about God's
0: Alright, well thank you all for your input. Let's close with a brief word of prayer. The Heavenly Father, I want to thank you Again, for the examples set forth uh, of unselfish love that you've given us in Scripture, uh, particularly the example of Jonathan, who managed to honor his father and uh, and have a uh, self-sacrificing, completely uh, unselfish love for his friends as well. Please, can, please give us this uh, this love for one another, so that we can hasten your return. In his name, Amen.